Hey there, everyone. My name is Ari, and welcome to Made of Metal, a motivational podcast where we tell stories about regular people overcoming insurmountable odds. So I hope everyone is enjoying a wonderful wind down to their summer. And thank you so much for joining me. Today's episode is a bit different as we cover an individual that made their name in the often underappreciated realm of musical arts. Their story is one of awe and appreciation for the simple power that lies in following your dreams and doing what you love. This person was a trailblazer, an innovator, and a musician among the very greats, such as Beethoven and Mozart, whom I love, both of them. Yes, classical music, all the way. (laughs) What amazing things can be created and shared with the world once we commit to our journey, or in this case, our craft. Music captures the passion and pain of being human, and it resonates with just about everybody on the planet. This individual was able to create music that touched the hearts of millions, pioneering an entire genre, creating entirely new ways of creating music while remaining dutiful and devoted to improving their vocation, even in the face of their own demons. In a rare occurrence, guys, although I'm a huge lover of music, I actually played the piano for quite some time in my youth. I think the piano is one of the most beautiful instruments to play and listen to. Don't at me. But (laughs) I knew next to nothing about this person before I researched their story. So that was really fun. And big shout out and thank you to Josh for recommending this story. Thank you so much, Josh. So appreciated. I learned so much and I'm so excited to share with everyone today. So for today, we'll be covering the artiste, the abstract, the awe-inspiring John Coltrane. John Coltrane was born John William Coltrane on September 26, 1926. John was born in Hamlet, North Carolina, a mostly rural area with a strong religious tradition. Religion was a prominent aspect of John's life and upbringing. Religion, and of course, music. The two were intertwined, as gospel music is a huge focal point of church. John's grandfather and his father, who was also a tailor, were both preachers with active roles within their community. It can be easily said that John's first notable musical influence was his father, who was also a musician that could play a variety of instruments. Sadly, tragedy would strike John's family early on in his childhood. When John was just 12 years old, his father, grandfather, grandmother, and aunt passed away within a short period of a few months. The loss of so many loved ones so abruptly would have been devastating to a child at such a young age. Financially and emotionally, John and his remaining family were thrust into dire circumstances. During this time period, as they struggled to make ends meet, John was going to school and began studying the clarinet and saxophone. 
John's mother was not able to adjust to life in North Carolina following her husband's death. As such, John's mother accompanied other family members into moving further up north in the hopes of having more support and opportunities. Still in school, John decided to continue his studies in North Carolina until he'd graduated. And that, to me, is an incredibly mature decision from a high school student, which I believe is an indicator of John's high emotional maturity early on in life. After graduating high school, John decided to move to Philadelphia in 1943. While in Philadelphia, John attended the Ornstein School of Music, where he continued to hone his craft and pursue his love for music. In 1943, the country was still engaged in the rundown of World War II. So while in Philadelphia, John was drafted and enlisted within the Navy. In the Navy, John didn't abandon his love for music, but continued to practice his passion in any way he could. With John's natural talent with instruments, he was quickly recruited to join a Navy band where he'd played throughout his entire service. In 1946, John would return to Philadelphia and aspire to make music his full-time job. John began to establish himself in the local Philadelphia scene, which had a thriving African-American music culture. John began to primarily pick up gigs in nightclubs or with jazz bands, essentially taking whatever opportunities would arise to play his sax. For a couple years, John worked on building his reputation as an out-of-this-world saxophonist who could adapt to many different bands and playing styles. After he began to make a name for himself, John was able to play with bigger names such as the iconic Johnny Hodges and the genius Dizzy Gillespie. John joined Dizzy's group around 1949 and stayed with them for almost two years. It was with Dizzy that John had his first recorded solo on a track titled We Love to Boogie. Very good song, by the way, if you do indeed love to boogie. (laughs) Within the music industry, performers can often turn to vices to help them cope with the constant and daily demands of travel, touring, and rehearsing. Sadly, It was during his time touring with Dizzy that John would become a heroin user. Unfortunately, like many other musicians, John would fall prey to addiction and it would begin to drive a wedge between himself and other band members, as well as prevent him from receiving other band opportunities. John was in a terrible cycle of making and breaking gigs when he'd received a phone call that would set his life in a completely different direction. In 1955, John was playing for Jimmy Smith and his band when he'd received a call for an audition in New York City to play for the distinguished Miles Davis. Once Miles and John played together, it was clear this was a musical matchup that was meant to be. Miles Davis was an incredible musician, although him and John were quite opposite in the foundation of their sound. The two created many amazing records together, with Miles describing John as exactly what was needed to set the band off. As Miles was an established name within the music community, 
John was able to boost his own visibility while working with him as well. Miles was an ally to John in more ways than one, in that he was intolerant of John's drug habits and how they would erode the quality of his sound. Miles fired and rehired John more than once due to John's repeated drug use. Although Miles and John made incredible music together, Miles was not able to deal with the instability that was brought on by John's drug addictions. In 1957, Miles would fire John and the two went their separate ways, but just for a short time. It is said that this event was what set in motion John's first steps towards sobriety and recovery. Understanding that addiction is a disease, I couldn't imagine just how difficult and torturous those first few steps really were especially back then where I'm sure there was very little understanding of just how complex addiction really is. To have the ability to take the steps to a healthier you, in spite of all the obstacles of addiction, to me is beyond incredible. During John's recovery, another brilliant mind in music would come into his life. Thelonious Monk the acclaimed pianist and composer would work with John for months, creating music and learning from one another. During this time, John became clean and played with a renewed excitement for music. Thelonious created music in a more open-ended rhythm that John, who was described as more melancholy in his sound, had to work to become accustomed to. Over the next few years, John released two other albums in 1957 and 1958, titled Blue Train and Soul Train, respectively. I'm loving those album names, by the way. So rad. John had begun developing his career for a transition into a solo artist, a huge risk for any musician. John's sound was described as complex as he was able to play notes simultaneously and in rhythms and scales that seemed beyond the reaches of traditional music, certainly unique to anything that was being created at the time. To this day, John's compositions have their own description as sheets of sound. John's sound was distinct, special, one of a kind, and exactly what the world needed to hear. After working with Thelonious Monk, John applied his newfound knowledge to the work he began to create with his reunited bandmate, Miles Davis. While still working with Miles' band, John was continuing to develop his own soloist skills, starting his own music publishing company, and securing a new contract with the esteemed Atlantic Records. At the time, Atlantic Records were known for being a label that released hits in particular, jazz and R&B. John's debut album with Atlantic Records was titled Giant Steps, featuring several hits along with his innovative title track, and was released in 1960. This was the period of John's life where his fame began to reach new heights. His jazz albums were instant hits, and John was able to pull together a band of his own, working with the likes of Duke Ellington and Jimmy Garrison. He'd released the album Duke Ellington and John Coltrane in 1963. 
Another blockbuster masterpiece John created in this period was titled A Love Supreme, an album he'd composed with his wife, Alice McLeod, in 1965. The album was dubbed by John as a thank you to God and the world for his work, in particular the period he'd lived after kicking his drug habit. I Love Supreme would be ranked as one of John's most famous and well-known albums, featuring a spiritual undertone that was unlike his known religious upbringing. Although John knew the album would cause quite a stir, when asked how his listeners would receive the album with its intricate musical compositions, John said, As long as there is some feeling of communication, it isn't necessary that it be understood. After all, I used to love music myself long before I could even identify a G minor seventh chord. Eventually, the listeners move right along with the musicians. The album went gold and was nominated for two Grammys. To this day, that album and many, many others in John's musical portfolio are considered required listening for all jazz players. During the last years of his life, John dedicated his days to mentoring and working with other bands while exploring and pushing the limits of his own music. There was some churn within his band, but the core members stayed throughout, including his wife, who played the piano. The 60s were a highly charged time period, with much music skewing towards the politically motivated. John was one who was inclined to stay outside the box, continuing on his path of creating rare sounds that pushed the boundaries of music. John would describe himself as a humanist, someone who believed in nonviolent means to obtain an end, and it was reflected in his music. On July 17, 1967, John Coltrane would pass away from liver cancer. It was reported that John was writing and recording all the way up until a couple weeks before his passing. A figure such as John Coltrane leaves an indelible mark on those around them, on society, on history, on time itself. John's devotion to his craft and his unending love for music catapulted his life path into a series of events that led to extraordinary results. The world is forever changed. John and his music continued to evolve and change without any sign of slowing down, even until his death. And let's not forget that John's addictions threatened to end everything he loved. When confronted with that truth, John displayed bravery, courage, and strength to choose a different path, to face his problems head on, to face himself. That is the hardest battle anyone can fight. And John won. John did us the favor of showing us just how far we can push ourselves to create that perfect melody that we know lives inside us. The ultimate gift to give that to the world and to himself, who deserved it the most. You can check us out at madeofmetalpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at Made of Metal Podcast, all together, and Facebook. And that's Made of Metal. 
M-E-T-T-L-E. If you love the show and you'd like to support my passion for sharing these stories with you, you can support me on buymeacoffee.com slash metal. We also have a membership program. You can also follow, subscribe, and review the show wherever you listen to your podcast. As always, my loves, take care and bloom where you are planted. <laughs>